G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is almost a full house. We're just missing John. So other than that, we've got Shane, Sean and Liam. How are you, Liam? Yeah, good mate. Uh, still very, very cold here. We were minus 18 last week, uh, but uh, it's only it's only minus two of the day. So that's that's practically toasty. So. Come on, minus 18. That's like Sevco in about three or four games, isn't it? <laughs> had to, had to. Shots fired early yeah. days. How are you, Shane? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Uh, a bit, bit freshened up. Christmas beards uh, made way. I had my quarterly shear, I guess was what we'd call it. Um, so feeling a bit fresh. Um, it was nice, you know, not getting ID checked going to clubs and pubs. But oh well. And how are you, Sean? Yeah, good, man. Uh, got my. Uh... Appointment through for my swearing-in ceremony for my citizenship. So now if I decide to go the way of David Martindale, you have to put me in prison instead of Christmas Island. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> hey, here we go. It's officially, almost officially an Aussie. There you go. I now need to pay $20 every time an election comes around. <laughs> is that what the money's not to vote, or is that...? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, um, yeah, everyone, thanks for tuning in. As usual, the um, the usual shout at the start there. So um, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Soak Down Under Podcast via your favourite podcast app. If you're listening via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, can you please leave us a review on there? Because we really, that help get us a boost in their um, algorithm they've got on there. If you're watching on YouTube, you haven't done so, hit subscribe. And uh, there's that notification bell, hit that so you get notified when we go live each Wednesday. Uh, we're looking to grow the Celtic Down Under podcast, so there'll be updates soon. So there'll be more content coming out on the YouTube channel as well shortly. So um, watch this space. But what we'll do is we'll get straight into it. Aaron, Aaron Moy, Shane, come up with a name for it because he had to. It's the old Harry Kuehl chant, if my memory's right. We'll um, played an absolute blinder on the weekend. So um, Celtic 2, Dundee United 0. I'll throw it to you, Sean. Discuss the match overall. Just give us your uh, your general thoughts, and then go to Lee and Shane, and kick on from there. Yeah, there was a lot of um, <clears throat> kind of Twitter narrative at half time saying that we were sort of rubbish, and then I did not see that at all. I thought we'd done everything in the first half, other than score. Uh, we were getting in behind. Kyogo was so unlucky. The keeper, I'm not even going to say Kyogo was unlucky. The goalkeeper was lucky. They got his foot out. Uh, I'm sure we'll come to VAR and a whole separate topic, so I'm not even going to touch on the whole uh, thing. One thing that was interesting about that, though, was that that uh, rescinded penalty was the exact same penalty box that Dougie McDonald rescinded a penalty in 13 years ago, or whenever it was, 2010. So the exact same penalty box. So there was a little bit of a kind of... Uh, I mean, I'd watched back to the highlights of that game from way back, and there was all kinds of other things as well, like handballs and stuff like that. Um, and then the second half, uh, we came out swinging. Uh, that's a deliberate reference there. And we we were we, we had them on the ropes like immediately. And uh, when we got the goal, we kind of looked like we we're going to kick on. The penalty was again look at the referee's position, it's absolutely embarrassing that he doesn't give it. He's looking straight at it. And yeah, I am, we've now got someone that can take penalties, which is unbelievable. And and to be honest, I thought we should have even kicked on from there. Dyson Maeda should score uh, in the last 
head last touch of the ball when he heads over from a few yards. Uh, one a big highlight of the second half was O coming on. Uh, I enjoyed the, the the chant from the crowd before he came on, which was just oh, just for like you know the whole anticipation thing. And I thought he looked really good when he came on, physical, talented. I thought he fit right in quite nicely in a, in a different way than than Kyogo. Kyogo was very much on the shoulder of the last man, but O was really rolling in a few yards and kind of looking to turn with the ball or make things happen in that way. It was it was interesting. It was an interesting change. Hey, Liam, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, um, we're getting to that point in the season now where the important thing is just getting the points. And uh, I thought we did that in a thoroughly comprehensive and professional way. Um, I thought we could end up with scored more at the end, but, you know, it's just about getting the three points now. And, uh, yeah, job done, as far as I'm concerned. And Shane, what do you think overall? Yeah, I pretty much agree with with both Sean and Liam. I didn't think it was a, a poor performance by any stretch in that first half. I thought we looked pretty good. We may have started a little slowly, but we quickly found our rhythm. And um, as Sean said, we did everything but score. Uh, we were creating. Uh, we were getting in behind. We had some good chances. Birgitte produced a couple of decent saves. Um, Jota himself looked like he was going to single. <laughs> well, Jota looked like he was going to, to be the one to actually break the game apart. He was... He was on top form um, pretty much from the first whistle back to sort of how we usually expect him to kind of play. He he was, he was, they weren't able to stop him really, to be honest. And then you had Moy just putting on a masterclass in midfield again. Uh, I know we probably don't want to get into a specific players just yet. We'll leave that for a bit. But yeah, I, I thought it was a good performance in the first half. We did everything but score. As Sean said, we came out swinging in the second half. It was good to get those early goals, particularly early on. And look, there were a couple of chances after that where, you know, definitely Maeda should have scored in the last minute. He also had a free header uh, sort of halfway through the second half as well. A little bit tougher, but he's probably got to, he's just got to pick either side of Birigidi and he probably scores. So look, it was, it was probably a solid performance without being spectacular, but it's everything you want from this team at the moment, which is creating chances, preventing them from doing anything. They didn't, they didn't threaten at all. It was a professional performance in every sense of the word. Yeah, for That's me, right. I just looked at it and thought, yeah, it was a professional performance. That's the easiest way to sum it up. Like, there was nothing too out of out of whack for us in terms of, you know, as you said, you guys have all said, we created a lot of chances. We stepped it up a gear. We got our goals. We picked up the three points. Tick, tick, tick. All the boxes are ticked there. It's professional performance. On we go to next week. That's our fifth clean sheet in a row, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, I can look it up. I think it is. So, and, and Ange was talking about that in the press, about how we have been really good, but, and he was very, uh, he made it very clear that it was a whole team effort rather than, a, a, you know, the defence getting all the credit. It was like we defend from the front and et cetera, et cetera. We need, and he did also mention since we came back from the World Cup, we've been better at that. Yep. So, and That's I think under United as well probably happy with just two goals given that we've put nine and four past them in the last two games and uh, they're currently tied on 20 points with everyone else down the bottom of the table so goal difference is kind of key for them I, I thought they were pretty good I thought they defended pretty well particularly in that first half like we were still creating but I thought that they maintained their shape pretty well um, 
it, it was funny. Like we were, we were probably did everything but score, but at the same time, I thought they defended pretty well. Um, credit credit to them in that regard. They were much different proposition from the the Jack Ross team we put nine past earlier in the season. Yep. Sorry, Jared, that was a bit for you to make your point there. <laughs> I was going to say, but I kind of lost it now. Where you were saying about the defence from the front, Sean, and I was going to say, well. It's a bit of a difference as well that once you've got Carter Vickers and Taylor back into the back line as well, pretty much got our first string back line across the back there. Johnston and Rolston, that's the only battle for me. But looking at that lineup where you've got Hart and Goals, Johnston, Carter Vickers, Starfelt and Taylor in the back, the fact is, and you look at the actual overall squad and you go through the bench, this is the thing that jumped off the page to me. Haxabanovich, Turnbull, Kobayashi, O, Awada, Bain, but you'd replace him with Seagrest when he's back. O'Reilly made a forest. That's a whole nother. Every single one of them would start for every other team in the league and be mm-hmm. the star man, one of the star guys. So looking at that, Bernabe, he wasn't even on the bench. Mm. And he was starting. He started the game before that when Taylor was out. So if you look at it on that sort of front, it's some crazy depth there as well. So we're building something really special here on the edge. So, um, what I'll do is I'll bring up a few comments and then we'll get on to the uh, player focus and discuss the goals as well. So Vanessa was always nervous until we score. Uh, what have we got here? Uh, copyright. Traders Club has made it back to his old self. I don't know why that's <laughs> showing them up weird like that. Uh, I'll just read them out then. Uh, Angelo Tyro. Moyes Cross for Jota was another level. We're going to touch yeah. on. in a sense because if you actually watch it back, uh, the wind changes it. So it was it was a great cross uh, objectively, but like, and anytime you get a goal, but you actually see it change in the wind as well if you watch it closely. And Michael Ross has took me a while, but I finally warmed up to Moy. Hopefully, he's here next season. Vanessa's responded to that. those of us in Australia. Michael knew he would come good. And then we've got if made a gruesome hair, would his heading be more accurate? What do you reckon, Liam? Uh, having never seen him with hair, I couldn't comment. First time I saw him, he was 20 years old and he was baldy then as well. <laughs> That's really harsh, Jared, picking on Liam because he's got a hairline like my other. That's so, so mean. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait, it's because you're in Japan. Sorry. Oh, I thought it was you. On a stirrup shit. There we go. No, not so much a top knot as a top strand I've got here. <laughs> Eleven S eight football game. <laughs> Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Zencaster's all in one web solution makes the process nice and simple as it should be. If you've listened to the Celtic Down Under podcast, you know we strive to have a quality show, and Zencaster provides us with both crystal clear quality sound and HD video. It's easy to use, works a treat for us, there's nothing to download, we just click on the link and start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-productions, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode recorded, edited and released. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CELTICDOWNUNDER. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience as I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. 
yeah, we'll, we'll just jump on to the goal. So, with penalty, as I said earlier, it's good to have someone who's a good quality penalty taker in Moy. So, we've got that sorted. The one thing you just mentioned about the cross, we're talking about that for Moy's cross coming in. I thought it was decent. I didn't notice the wind on it, but that's just me. Australian, you know, green tinted specs on it, everything because being an Australian and all that sort of stuff. But the angle and how little amount of room Jota had to get that header in is what made that special. Like that would no, we wouldn't even be talking about that cross if he absolutely shanked it. So yeah, it's a bit of an interesting one for me. But got any special mentions we want to touch on there? I'll go to you, Shane. Oh, well, uh, I'm sure we'll touch on Aaron Moy shortly, but I just wanted to give a couple of shout-outs. So, obviously, it was good for uh, to see Greg Taylor back. So, this was his first game back since he got injured, uh, I believe, against Rangers. Uh, so, he played the full 90. Uh, look, wasn't, uh, you know, a, a typical Greg Taylor performance. Uh, maybe a little bit hit and miss there. Still solid enough, and, uh, you know, he'll find his rhythm again soon. And I thought... Um, Apart from Moy and Jota, I thought Kalmac uh, in the centre of the park had a very good game. I thought he was um, just his usual industrious self, but it felt like he was winning the ball much higher up the pitch. He was really, any time that they looked to break, he was in there stopping it almost straight away. And for his, what I believe was his 400th appearance for Celtic, uh, he put in a really good shift. So credit to him on the milestone and, and the match itself. Yeah, he was sensational. He was everywhere, winning the ball back. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would pretty much just second those, and also, um, I think it was a uh, just a really good all-round team performance. Um, even in the second half, when you had um, you know O came on, and what little we saw of him, he looks like he's going to be uh, a very, as as you said before, Sean, a different type of player to to Kyogo, but in his own way, possibly as dangerous and as prolific. Yeah, he he put the cross in for the Maeda header. It went over the bar. So, and that to me that was a better cross than the Moy one. But like, I'm not gonna like they were both good crosses. But you know what I mean? Like, and the, the difference is the outcome and the sense that the player on the other end of it scores or doesn't score, yeah. uh, which is the kind of harsh judge judgment that gets put on a cross, isn't it? What the player on the other side does with it. He definitely looked um, really good when he came on in that small spell. Even on, on, I think, probably when he first got on the ball and he laid it off to O'Reilly, he played a great pass to, to play O'Reilly in behind. And he actually made a, he put himself in a really good position in the box for the ball to be cut back. And O'Reilly just, uh, I don't know if he mishit it or, or just took a shot, but like he just his ability to get that ball to O'Reilly and then to position himself in space, I'm really encouraged by that, that first little 10-minute cameo. For me, Oh just looks a lot further along than we probably th- all thought. So it's a good thing. And then it's touched on the bench before. And then the next topic we're going to discuss is Jack Amakas. But looks like then you still got to add him into the mix as well. So um, could Can be. We discuss, discuss Don Robertson before we move on to Jack Amakas. Yes, yes, please. I have a <laughs> question about that from our Twitter when I sent out a message about. We had some Twitter questions earlier as well. So just let me get you this question first, Sean. Mm hmm. I did see that, but I didn't take a picture. That's all right. I've got a meal. Why didn't the pro-Celtic Don Robertson book Mr. Rio Hattade for his part in Dundee United player standing on the ball? Could have been (laughs) career-ending. I I love it. The sarcasm. I'll just skip up that sarcasm with a a spade here. Um, Yeah, that was was probably on the lower end of his shocking decisions because that one actually... (laughs) Like 
I could give him that in a sense from an angle, you know. Uh, but to not send Freeman off was a, a pretty poor decision. Um, the penalty one, I mean, the, the first half penalty, I mean. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that. But the Freeman one, I can say something specific on because uh, and whatever radio show I was listening to made the point that it's only supposed to be a yellow card if it's on target, and I'm like, no, that's not. That's just not the case. Um, what what the rule? There's no no rule about that. The rule is if it's um, if it stops a promising attack, then it's a yellow card. So if you come at a handball offence, which prevents a promising attack, then that that is that that's what it should be a yellow card. Whether it's and and that's they're interpreting that if your hand blocks a shot, they're using that as part of that interpretation. But other, if you're on the half wheeling and somebody's about to run through and go and you handball it, that's, you know, that's, even if it's not deliberate, that's a yellow card for preventing a promising attack. So it should have been a second yellow on a red card. Uh, on the penalty that was rescinded, it's one of those ones, it should be a penalty, but you never, ever see it given. And the, only, the reason I think he's given it is because he, uh, the ref thinks that he's punched Hugo first and, and we can split hairs about whether he has or not. But um, you don't see those given. Uh, they probably should be if you go with the rules. Uh, but that's never given. So I'm I'm not going to kick up too much about that. Um, it, I might step in too because I'm keen to comment on it as well. Um so, yeah, I, the handball one, I think probably the first thing to touch on is how he's missed it, like how he's missed that in real time. Like that that was as clear as day. And, you know, looking at the footage, it seemed like he had a clear view. Celtic TV do the release of the unique angles for the goal, and that just really re-enhanced the fact that he had a clear view of it. So it was pretty disappointing that in, in real time he didn't call it. Um, VAR did its job in a sense that it, it brought it up. He checked it. He overturned it. But it absolutely should have been a second yellow, and um, um, you know, I think I heard, I think you might have even touched on it on your your program, Sean, um, which is highlighted in the background for those who are watching on YouTube. Um, is it a case that uh, they can't, like, because VAR overturned it, uh, he can't give a yellow? Uh, he could, yeah. No, he can give a yellow. Okay, cool. Because remember, I, I, it happened to Burnaby. I thought I misheard because I'm like I'm sure if he's overturned it, it doesn't absolve the the fact that card can be given. So um, yeah, I, I I couldn't work out like to me if you look at that and then if you like let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say for whatever reason he didn't see it and he sees that on the footage and says, okay, that's a deliberate handball. I can't see how he can't give him a yellow for that. Like that's as that's as clear as day. Even if you make the initial mistake and get it overturned. So Isn't that one jeopardy shame. So double jeopardy where they talk about. You know, if the red there was the penalty and the red card, so they change it. It's gonna be downgraded to yellow. So if it's just a yellow card offense and they give a penalty, they can take that away. I don't think they can, but I've seen it seen it done. Yeah, I thought it was only for reds. I thought like anything else, like if it was a yellow card foul or a yellow card to be given that it, that it didn't matter that you were gonna get booked regardless. I thought they took away the double jeopardy for the red. Uh, yeah, that's that's that is what it is, yes. So it's just the red okay. it's changed from a straight red to a yellow. But it's still a straight red if it's outside the box. So it was so you weren't getting a penalty on the red. And just on the first half penalty as well, look, I've um denied over this. I've I'm really am a bit uh conflicted in a sense that you see that not given all the time. But at the same time, 
you know, players on the pitch, including the goalkeeper, really do have a duty of care to not just completely bowl someone over. Um, you know, the, if a defender does that in the box and wins a header but completely wipes out a player in front of him or a striker or a forward in front of him, is that going to be given as a pen? Well, I mean, whatever judgment you use for that should really apply to goalkeepers as well. Just because it's them coming for the ball doesn't really mean they get a free run to completely, you know, poleaxe someone in front of them. So I've ummed an art over it. I can see the reason for why it's given. I can see why it wouldn't be given. I guess the only argument I'd have is he's given that VAR, is it really a clear-cut mistake to overturn it? I didn't think so. No. No. I've actually got a wee question about that, Sean. You'd probably know this. Um, See, when when a referee reviews an incident like that first penalty, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say that he gave the penalty on the basis that the keeper punch Kyogo before they punch the ball, right? Just for example. Mm-hmm. In reviewing the incident, does he only review that aspect of it or does he review the entire passage of play? Like if he says, all right, he didn't punch Kyogo first, but the Dundee United defender barged into the back of Kyogo, so it's a penalty anyway. Uh, he can review multiple instances, incidents, but he has to review them in an order of priority which confusingly is not chronological. Um, so it's not even what happens first. It's in order. There's a different, uh, it's like order of relevance rather than order of chronology. Uh, but they would be reviewed separately, not together. Uh, but if you're talking about, so the incident would be a foul on Kyogo. And, right. and it can be the case that those two players together committed a foul. But yeah, so like, so what hypothetically, a, pl- a, 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 a referee can give a penalty for one reason, review it, then give it for another reason. Correct. Right. Okay. That, that, that's that's what I wasn't sure about. Yeah. So you can right. do that. I'm going to bring up a couple of comments here now about what we're just talking about. So uh, where are we here? Down, down here. Put yourself in the keeper's position. Ball is in the air in front of your goal. There to be punched. You punch it away, cleanly away. Yeah, there were some bodies in there. Nothing in it. That's a view there. I'm not sure that qualifies as clean, but okay. <laughs> but uh, like you can sort of defend that a little bit. If you watch Birigidi, I don't think he once looks, he makes any look at Kyogo or look at what's coming. He's totally focused on the ball. So to kind of give that comment a little bit of credit, sure, I can understand that. But at the same time, you just you just can't barge through people like that. There's got to be some sort of consideration as well. Like it, it, it might be accidental, but... You know, so what? You might accidentally fly into a tackle and, you know, studs up someone on their knee or whatever. You didn't mean to, but you can't get away with it, right? So, yeah, if you're centre back doing that and heading the ball, it's a foul. Hmm. All I'm going to say on this is those who watch Bira Giddy over here, I used to love him, love watching because he was just mental, like absolutely just insane. So the fact is that he's gone out and just clattered someone while winning the ball, trying to punch the ball. Does not surprise me at all. No, no surprises. That's that's typical beers. So, um, yeah, for me, I don't. I think goalkeepers are are basically a protected species anyway. So, you know, I actually don't mind them getting caught out like that occasionally. Be good to see um, McGregor over at over at the Crumble Dome copping it and getting caught out like that too. Not going to happen because of who he plays for. But you know, there's a precedent now. Agreed. 
All right, let's crack on to the next topic because I reckon we could uh, hang on, keep talking about, you know, VAR and refereeing for another 30 minutes easy. Mm-hmm. So transfer window has has all closed up. So what we'll do is there was a couple of last-minute things that were happening that we thought was happening. It didn't say Abelgaard has left the club. He's gone to Hellas Verona in Italy. Uh, Jack Amakas move hasn't happened yet. The MLS transfer window is still open for a few months. His rumor to be his rumored move was to Atlanta United for three and a half million pound plus eight hundred thousand pound in add-ons. So yes, he hasn't gone yet. Still could happen in the next month or two. Um, but until then he's still our player. So we've got three three strikers up front. Um yeah. What are your thoughts overall on the transfer window, Liam? Um, I think it's been a very good window. I think it's good that we got our business concluded nice and early and there was none of these last-minute panic buys a la Robbie Keane or uh, Freddie Jungberg in, you know, in years gone past. <laughs> um, you know, no, it's it's just like we and clearly knew who we wanted to get, went out and got them. Um the whole Cho thing was a bit protracted and unfortunate, but there, there is talk today that we might go back in for him in the summer. Um, although, personally, I don't know if we should because I think there's a question of attitude there. Um, but uh, overall, I think a great window. We got defensive strength, midfield strength, and now we've got another striker. And that is an entire spine of the team that has been you know, backed up, essentially. Yeah, just on the back of that. So I've got the, the squad list up now on the other screen here. So what I want to do is we'll go through it. We'll go through it by position, as you said, Liam, defence, midfield, attack, all that sort of stuff. So we'll go through each position and say, are we stronger now than we were when we went into the transfer window? So where we were in December, where we are now, is it an upgrade? Have we downgraded? What's our overall general thoughts? So we'll just start with... Goalkeeper situation hasn't really changed at all. Uh, Connor Hazard's returned from his from his loan move. That's it. So there's an extra goalkeeper. And so Joe Hart, Seagrass, Bain, Hazard. You're happy with having that that rotation of those guys there? I'd get one out. If you could get Hazard back out on loan or Bain. Whatever, one of them. Either of those two. One of those two out. Seagrass has got to stay. Yep. Barkas will come back as well, so... Yeah, end of the season. We haven't even got to the lone players yet. I'm staying away from them. <laughs> he, he shipped five goals at the weekend, so he'll be back. Oh, brilliant. Oh, <laughs> so, defenders, we've got Alistair Johnson, Greg Taylor, Carl Starfelt, Yuki Kobayashi, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Alexandra Bernabe, Anthony Rolston, and Stephen Welsh. Moritz Jens is gone. Uh, I think that's – and Juranovic has moved on. That's pretty much the only real changes to our back line that I can think of. Any overall thoughts on that, Sean? I'd like to see uh, Lawal uh, move up ahead of Welsh uh, where appropriate between now and, I guess, going forward. And apart from that, I think it's good balance and depth. Yeah, the rumour was that Dundee United were trying to come get Welsh on a permanent. Didn't happen yesterday. So, um, yeah, we've got to keep him for depth at the moment. But end of the season, watch this space. I hope Lyle gets in a bit more too. Liam, anything to add on the defence? 
Uh, no, I would just agree that I'd like to see Lawal get um get some more game time. Um, and I I think it is very telling the fact that Celtic were quite clearly willing to let Welsh go, but were not entertaining offers for Lawal. So clearly, they think there's a potential there for a a first team player a year or two down the line. And Shane, anything to add? Uh, agree about Boston Lowell, but uh, also still have a little bit of concern about at uh, at left back. Uh, Notice Bernabe wasn't even in the uh, in the squad, the ex- or even on the bench this week. Um, you know, we commented a, a while ago that you know he's got an extended run to show himself, and since then I don't think he's made as many appearances as we all thought. So uh, a little bit concerning if Taylor goes down. Uh, uh, Bernabe is not preferred. Um, what might happen there, but um, that's that's really minor in comparison. Yeah. Uh, as Ange said during the week, it's hard to be a defender in his team. Mm. Mm. We get to the midfield. This is the strangest thing for me, right? You look at our midfield, and our lowest number midfielder is number thirteen on his player number. <laughs> that's just odd. Haven't seen anything like this before. So, Moy, Turnbull, McCarthy, Itaguchi, Owada, O'Reilly, Hatade, McGregor, Forrest. That's our midfielders. Midfield rotation. I think Forrest would more be an attacker for me, but they've listed him as a midfielder. So, overall, I'm going to touch on it. Like, McCarthy and Itaguchi, I thought probably Itaguchi would move on, go back to Japan. That was all the talk. Abelgard having left. He's out, Awada's in, so that's pretty much an upgrade for us. So we're stronger there. Um, and we've got some comments here about O'Reilly. So Angelo Tyro was, I don't think O'Reilly starts as often. What's his main strength? And then there's another comment, O'Reilly badly needs a, a goal to kickstart his season. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think they're both, both fair comments. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a couple other comments about the midfield here. So Angelo is also need a sale on midfielders, buy one, get one free. Take it to Gucci, get McCarthy or vice versa or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's good depth apart from those two. It seem to be an excess. And then there's one other, another comment from Vanessa McCormick. We have too many central midfielders. Yeah, we do. Plenty of comments there on it. Um, I'd agree. So something that... I didn't touch on earlier when we we're talking about the Dundee United game was I liked seeing Hatare get forward and get into those pockets around the in the, where the number ten would normally be. Like seeing that on the weekend was good to see. So I'm thinking now if we've got Awada and McGregor to cover the six role, we've got Moy can play a bit more forward like he has been. It frees up Hatare to be a bit more forward as well. It gives Turnbull more more chance to come on and do things O'Reilly more chance. So it actually opens things up quite a bit more for us. So I think realistically we've got six midfielders for four, for three spots. So it's what we talk about the two for every position. So strongest part of our team is the midfield. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Sound like the deepest yeah. part, but yeah, probably. No, sorry, yeah. Deepest <laughs> part. <laughs> the the thing to note though is that in terms of uh Idiguchi and possibly McCarthy is that both, you know, the American transfer window, the Japanese transfer window, and I think a few other transfer windows worldwide, um, perhaps Scandinavia as well, because their season, I think, runs... Aye, it runs about the same as the J-League. So they, I think they've still got a wee bit of time. So there is still scope for shipping them out. Um, 
rumour was a while ago that McCarthy was potentially going to a club in the Middle East, but his wife uh, didn't want to do that because of, uh, well, the living conditions that women have to endure in some of those countries. But, you know, if that's the kind of move that he's looking at, then something like America, where it's, you know, a, a step down from Celtic unquestionably, but it would be a comfortable lifestyle, might appeal to him. But McCarthy clearly doesn't have a future at Celtic, so I think he will have to move on sooner rather than later for the sake of his own career. I was going to make a comment about Middle East not going to work because there's not enough sunblock in the world for him, but then you made your point. <laughs> and I went and ruined it, so... Jumping onto the forwards, Jakimakis, Kyogo, Haksabanovic, Abada, Jota, O, Maeda. And then Jamesy, realistically, so eight players for three positions. Mm. Good luck, Ange, keeping them all happy. Um, that's why you get paid the big bucks, but I'd rather have this problem and the way he's he builds his teams and the pressing and, as he said, we all our defence starts at the front. Players aren't they're not going to play 90 minutes every game, these guys. They're going to come on 60, 70 minutes, sub, next man up. So, um, yeah, it uh, should be interesting to see how that all works. But overall, I think that's we've strengthened that because we brought Owen. Jack and Marcus hasn't moved on. So, for me, yeah, I think that's it's stronger. What do you reckon, Shane? Yeah, I'd agree with you. Um, obviously, we'd sort of gone through this phase sort of anticipating that we would bring O or Cho in and Jackamacus would go. So we've ended up bringing O in and the Jackamacus deal obviously hasn't gone forward just yet. So uh, I'm not too sure if he'll completely... Well, it sounds like he'll probably be hanging around till summer. He clearly didn't want to swap winter for winter conditions. He'll wait until it's a bit warmer. Then he'll go across to across to the US. Um don't know why I wrote pause for uh, pause for laughter in my notes there for that one. It clearly wasn't as funny as I thought. Um, <laughs> but no, I th- <laughs> hey, if, if I'm not going to get an easy laugh, I'll poke fun at myself. That always works. Um, look, I think we've strengthened. Um, I'd be interested to see. It felt like the relationship with Jack and Maccus may have been a little bit cold uh, with him wanting to move on and maybe that move not eventuating. I don't necessarily think it would see him frozen out of the team. Um, I still think he can contribute, but um, but uh, yeah, look, I think we've definitely strengthened that area. Three different types of strikers, what we've got now. Kyogo, O and Jackamakis, they're all a bit different, which is good. But Sean, what are your thoughts? Uh, my concern is I don't expect Jackamakis to still be here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so if we're one injury away from being from being stuffed up front, is, is my kind of concern there. Um, out wide, no problems. But it, but it kind of looks like, in, in, yeah, before O oh, at the weekend, we were relying on Haksibanovic or Maeda or Abada to fill in as a striker when Kyogo was taking a rest. So, uh, yeah, we're one injury away from being in trouble there, is my concern if Jack Marcus does go. If he stays, great. We're, we're sound. And Liam? Um, one of my worries is how are we going to accommodate Haksibanovic? Because I think he is potentially one of our best players. But Kyogo being the form that he's in, um, O being the new signing, he's looking to make an impact. Jota just 
being Jota. And Abada always looks good when he comes in as well. Where where does Haksibanovic fit into that? And that's what worries me, because I think we could end up losing a very good player there because we can't accommodate him and get him enough game time. i got the answer for you, Liam. Going back to something you said on our podcast about two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago, before Maeda signed, put him back in his central central striker role as the third guy if Jackamakis moves on. Jackamakis, yep. as Sean saying, Maeda has to step into that striker spot. And then you got Kyogo as a starter, Maeda and O battling it out for the other strike for the other secondary striker man. And then Haxa battling with Jota for the, the left wing, Abada and um, Jamesy Batlin on the right wing. There it is, sorted. Yeah, I just think he's been poor when he's played there for us. As, as much as he's been good for Japan, I think he's been poor up front for us. I think the actual form of Maeda's probably been the thing that's held Haksabanovic back, really, because I think um, it obviously took him Haksabanovic a while to sort of get up to speed with things. Post-World Cup, Maeda gets his opportunity, and, and you know, he's been one of our, if not our best players since coming back from the World Cup, arguably in line with Moy. So obviously he's got a, he's keeping Maeda in as much as he can. He's then accommodating Jota or Abada on the other side. And that's probably inadvertently keeping Haksabanovic out of the team instead of Maeda necessarily being on the fringes. Um, there has been some talk of Haksabanovic playing as a 10. We don't, we're not really playing with like a traditional 10 at the moment. We're really playing almost with like two eights with Hatate and Moy kind of both pushing up either side of each other. I don't know how he'd necessarily work in that role if he's not that central point. Um, be interested to see it. But um, yeah, I think Maeda's form's probably been a contributing factor to Haksabanovic not getting as much game time. Well, if the talk for next season is well fit in Europe where Ange wants to go like a back, back three, five, two or whatever. Then maybe that could work in that that in that situation where you've got a back three, your two wing backs you can still invert one, you've got your guys in the middle of the park, and then that means you have two up front. You could play Haxavanovic in the ten in that in that situation in that formation. But I don't see Ange chopping and changing and playing around with things too much unless we're like twenty points up in the league. Well, he, he has previously played. Oh, and frozen. Frozen, yeah. Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out lumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can make a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water and a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, there's a BlendJet 2 to complement just about any style. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. 
Go to blendjet.com and use the code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and a free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Oh, there, no, no. Oh, he's there we go. I don't know. It just everyone paused, and I was like, "What have I said? Like, what? What? <laughs> I thought I was just talking about formations. Like, what did I? How did I offend someone with that? I'll get through it quick, just in case I get disconnected again. He has used a back three before when in charge of Australia, not very frequently. He was more commonly in line to use um, sort of a four-two-three-one, so he'd have two. Uh, sort of pivots, if you will, or two cent- defensive midfielders. And obviously now with the water coming in, um, that's a possibility, I think, going forward. Um, and that is something. And he's used to having players who fit that mould. So for Australia, when he used to be in charge of Australia, it was commonly Mila Yednak, who was uh, captain, and then uh, Mark Milligan would often, often accompany uh, Yednak in that role. And so that is something Ange does have a lot of familiarity with. The three five two that I mentioned was going right back to his South Melbourne days. But anyway, that, he hasn't done it recently. He hasn't done it in the last couple of decades. So let's not worry about that too much. We did it once against St. Johnson when we were down to the bare bones when Joey Dawson started up front yeah. with a batter. So talking mm. about our, um, our, got our squad, right? So we've done the main squad. Now, the guys on loan. So we currently have 10 players on loan. So we'll quickly go through them. Barkas at Utrecht. Holloway Emmy's gone out to Cork City. William, William Scales is at Aberdeen. Azazi Urugidi is at Ustend. Montgomery is at St. Johnson. Smalia Soros at FC Aruka. William Shaw's at Morecambe. Mikey Johnson's Victoria. Uh, Johnny Kenny's at Shamrock Rovers and Albion Yeti's at Sturmgrass. So realistically for me, looking at those guys there, it's probably only two guys I think are a chance of coming back. Two, maybe three, they'll come back next season and make a potential bench being a squad player for us. I think Toby will come back and he'll go on loan within Scotland for the rest of the se- for a whole season next year. I don't see him breaking in and being the actual backup keeper next year. But the year after that, when Joe Hart steals up and he's moving on, then it'll be him and Bain and um, not Bain, him and Segrist battling it out. Um, Monty apparently is doing really well at St. Johnson. And um, if Bernabe's struggling, yeah, bring him back. Let him be that backup left back if need be. Other than that, I don't really see many guys there making much of an impact. Maybe Liam Scales coming in as a bench player as well. That's about it. Maybe Mikey Johnson. Yeah, it depends who if anyone moves on. Scales is the one for me. I I, I agree with Toby, but Scales is the one that uh, I I think definitely has a future. So I'd be keen to see him back. All right. So what we'll do is we'll crack on to the next topic then. So we've gone through all of that. It was mentioned by Liam earlier. Should we go back in for Cho in the summer window? So I want to throw it to you, Liam. What's your thoughts? Um, if Jack Amakis does end up going, possibly yes, but I would rather we didn't because I don't like being messed around by a player like that. Um, I think we 
you know, since Andrew's come in, it's very much been, you know, I shouldn't have to sell Celtic on anybody. If they don't want to come here, then that's that. Um, so, you know, I really has... Was it the agent? Was it the player? We don't really know. But Celtic made an offer which supposedly had been accepted in principle, then Joe backed out of it. So I really um I don't like players with that kind of attitude. But there's no doubt in his ability. And ultimately, if it's if it's a guy that Ange still thinks will enhance the team, then I trust Ange to make the right call. But my call would be not to go back into him. Yeah, for me, I'd be, um, yeah, I don't really know if I'd want to go back in for the whole reason that what Andrew's saying. And then before I saw O on the weekend, I would have said, yeah, let's go back in for him. But having seen how far along O is at the moment, I don't really see the point of getting both him and Cho in. However, imagine that, having O and Cho as your starting strikers, if Kyrgyz was out, it'd be like a little weird. But yeah, anyway, Sean, what's your thoughts? The Ocho. Um, <laughs> it's exactly what I thought. <laughs> uh, for anyone not familiar, that's uh, ESPN Spanish channel, and because of the number eight in Spanish. Number eight. Um, ESPN number eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm also on the yeah on the subject of Cho. I mean, he raised our profile for sure, and it's always good to have quality players. I'm also kind of semi tracking the. The debate and the comments at the moment about the Asian Cup, which is yeah, due just, to take place in January. As the date's not actually confirmed yet, but it's going to be in the Qatar winter. Uh, so late 23, early 24. So it should be around about the same time as the Scottish winter break, I believe. Uh, mm. But on the flip side of that, we only had like, what, Maeda was the only Asian player that was away during the World Cup, right? So I, I get it. There's, yeah, and I'd, I'd be surprised if Adam Moy's first choice at that point. Uh, I don't, yeah. I, I remember back in the day, Alex Ferguson used to avoid signing African players because of the African nations being in January. I, I don't know if we're that big. I don't know if that we need to consider that. I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? Asian Cup, is this an issue? Well, um, it's right now, and it was supposed to be from the 16th of June or the 16th of July this year, which is the middle of the summer over there. So, they, yeah, they have pushed it back to mid, uh, from mid-20 to early 2024 is what they're saying. The latest I've got here is that the um, an, an AFC Confederation meeting has suggested that the tournament might run immediately after the Under-23 Asian Cup which is running from the 10th till the 24th of January next year. Mm. So it might actually kick on into February if they're going to start it at the end of January. So that would potentially be a concern for us. But the other thing is, like, players can't get called up for both squads. So Mm. we might lose, say, for example, we might lose Cho... Not Cho, sorry, O and... um, Kobayashi and Iwata to the under-23 tournament. But then they would come back at the same time that perhaps Hatate, Maeda and Kyogo went away for the, the big Asian championship. You know, the players cannot be in both squads or are highly unlikely to be in both squads. So my concern was I'm actually glad if it's going to be in January, 
For instance, if it was to put it in January and not do it after, like you're saying, Liam, then I don't have as big a problem with it because, yeah, the winter break. So if we had the winter break in Scotland and whatever, fine. But if it was early, it was like say if it was when we say potentially we win the league, we go on, win Champions League group stages, and then suddenly you lose a whole bunch of players in Europe next year, then we don't get that progress under Ange's second year in Europe under him, all that sort of stuff in the Champions League, then that that's an issue for me. But how it is at the moment, that is what it is. It's not going to affect a lot of the other clubs in the league, but that's why we constantly say it's a squad game, okay? Mm-hmm. You lose you lose a few players, fine. Next man up. So if Maeda's out, we've got Jotter on the wing, for instance, who can jump in on the left. Or if, you know, Kyogo is called up, for instance, then I'm sure if Jack and Max moves on, we've got to find another striker. Or is that Johnny Kenny's chance to, uh, to step up? Or Dawson or whoever. That their chance to step up for that young guy we're talking about the the production line we've been talking about for ages. So for me, I'm not too fussed about it. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's just it'd, it'd be frustrating to lose a chunk of players for a few weeks because you'd have to assume there's a a lead in and a, a lead out as well. But then Qatar's not that far away, so I guess it's yeah. But wasn't there a precedent where if a team has to give up a certain number of players for international duty, they can uh, ask for games to be postponed? Yeah, it's four games, uh, four players. But um, the, do, do, do we want to be doing that? Do we want to be giving uh, any potential competitors at like three points, three points while we're doing nothing? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's four, the answer is four if you've got four players away. I'd rather play two games a week for the duration of February and March than play those January games without those players if it came down to it. But, that th- but that's thinking, Liam, that we don't progress in Europe. Europe yeah. So say uh, with the Champions League, we finish third in our group and we're in the Europa League after after in January or whatever, or in February or whatever, that's assuming we don't have that because if we delay those games and then we've still got... Uh, Europa League or Champions League games or something like that to play, then it becomes mm-hmm. an absolute cluster. Aye, aye, that's that's a that's a concern. Mm. Oh well, look, we're not the only team. There's look, there's bigger teams with Asian players that are going to have more clout at FIFA over this. So I'd guess we'll kind of get whatever they get um, in that sense. Uh, so we better hope we've got our winter break aligned with England next year and uh, Spain or Germany, you know, because they'll get the favourable treatment where we'll get scraps. If, if Hearts keep signing Australians, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and uh, Japanese players as well, did you send? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they're setting themselves up for a, a bit of a rough run. Mm-hmm. I think even yeah, even Dundee United had two Australians playing at the weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And um, I'm sure a, a third. No, he went to Motherwell. I was thinking of um, Dan Zaki, who went to Motherwell. And um, well, was there one at Motherwell? I was thinking of St. Mirren have two, two. Uh, yep. straight strain and Bacchus. And Bacchus, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there could, could be an exodus. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how Brexit's caused this. Um, 
Like, and then there's what's also interesting is like all the kind of racist comments that have been coming out this week about uh, are all from people who would have probably voted for Brexit, which has directly caused this. Uh, I think yeah. Keith, Keith Jackson being, I'm not saying Keith Jackson is a Brexiteer, but he was one of the most uh, prominent voices making very racist generalizations about Celtic signings, which is, I'm not happy about. And, and I don't know if you've seen the the comments as well after the Aberdeen-Hibs game, when Aberdeen got cuffed 6-0, and there was two different pundits on the post-match and BBC both said Aberdeen had too many foreign players. That was literally, they were blaming it on the number of foreign players. That was the reason they were given. Uh, one was, who was it? Was Stephen Thompson, maybe? And Willie Miller? I can't remember. But they both blamed the number of foreign players uh, for um, Aberdeen's problems. No. Oh, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. I'm pretty sure that Aberdeen had as many, if not more, foreigners when Ebby Scovedal was a manager, and they were ranked rotten then as well. So... <laughs> Well, I think well, you'd be supporting their point then, Liam, by pointing that out. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. They're specious uh, reasoning. Specious um, reasoning. The other thing is that they um talking about the foreigners thing. I had a I had a Rangers fan have a go the other day, which I thought was quite funny. He was commenting on some article. And he says, oh, they're Celtic again with unpronounceables FC, yet another Asian signing. I said, mate, if O is too hard for you to pronounce, <laughs> I don't know where to start with you. <laughs> One, one syllable too many. Well, if other clubs keep buying Australian or, or Asian-based players and having them play in Scotland, may, maybe to really set the cat amongst the pigeons, we can have an actual break for the Asian Cup. Wouldn't that go down well? Well, yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I've still got till like June or whatever for uh, before the SPFL have to try and put together some fixtures. I don't know how they'd come up with that anyway. Uh, but that's yeah so hopefully they'll have some Asian Cup dates by then and you're right it could actually uh, be the case that we do have to work around it which as a country as a collective competition which for the one team that isn't signing Asian players is going to be hilarious when we hear them moaning about it Mm. (laughs) Uh. Uh, they're already moaning about it you know Uh, if you want to sign like uh Ten Stone, uh, Pretty Boys from Norwich. That's up to you. Uh, I, I, I don't know if anyone's seen the highlight of him uh, when he played the friendly against us uh, last preseason, and he tried to do like a little fancy trick and absolutely fell on his face. Uh, it was hilarious. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him playing. I think it was the same game where he played this intricate little outside of the foot pass to. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, completely missed the ball. Like he did that thing where you try and cross the legs over and dink the ball and just fell on his ass. So, <laughs> but he's they 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 photoshopped his head onto someone with bigger arms, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and last year they did the opposite with Morelos onto Kamara's body to make him skinnier. It was, is uh, the banter years are well in swing over there. To be honest, I'll, I'll just shout out to, to Todd. Embrace being stick thin, mate. Come on, look at me. Embrace it. <laughs> but yeah, like, Hatati will bowl him over, like uh, O'Reilly. Even Moy, Moy's kind of slim. Uh, he's not the biggest, strongest guy, but he's got a low center of gravity. I don't see how. But they're, yeah, I think when it comes to playing them, I don't know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. They'll probably have <laughs> him on the bench 
and they'll have the hatchet throwers and uh, Lundstrom and Kamara and Jack coming into the team. Yeah, I agree. No, they need to. Right, uh, back to the run sheet and related to what we're talking about. Uh, if anyone's wondering where Jared's gone, he's having some technical issues. Um, so the next topic up was Aaron Moy. Is Aaron Moy the best player in Scotland currently? Uh, which I believe Charlie Nicholas said something to that effect. Shane is his biggest fan. What would you like to say on it? <laughs> uh, look, it's a big call. Um, I don't know if I'd go to the extent of saying he's the best player in Scotland. I think there's a number of players that could be uh, vying for that at the moment. But um, he's been in tremendous form. I'll, I'll play this straight down the line. Um, looking at his stats, it looks like since he's come back from the World Cup, uh, five goals and three assists in all competitions. But uh, more apart from that, obviously, becoming our, uh, a very solid penalty taker, which uh, we've needed for a while, which has also been promising. It's just good to see him in that midfield link up with the likes of Hatate and McGregor. I actually think one of the big things to come about his form has actually been the way that he works with Hatate. I think they actually play off each other really well and link up well. Um, I think, and they complement each other well. Um, you know, I think Hatate's got that real kind of um, industrious, constantly moving up and down, back and forth kind of movement. Loves playing those little reverse passes. And Moy himself, you know, Ange loves smart players. He's not particularly quick per se in terms of speed, but he's smart and he's quick with the way he thinks. And it just looks like he's playing in slippers sometimes while everyone else is struggling. But they link up so well. And you could even see on the weekend where uh, Moy is making those little runs, but in behind, Hatate is playing that reverse pass. It finds him. He's, you know, playing it across the box, waiting for someone to tap it in. That's been one of the pleasing things. And McGregor complements both of those in front of them, uh, in front of him so well. Um, this is why I'm finding it increasingly difficult to see O'Reilly getting back into the team and even Turnbull even getting a start just because I think that midfield three is working so well as a collective. And Moy, despite his stats and goals and assists going up, the, the most pleasing thing for me has how that collective has worked with him in it. So not necessarily the best player in Scotland. I think that's maybe too bold a claim, but um, definitely uh, in the top echelon, I would say for sure. So, so just to, sorry, just for passing over to Liam, who is the best player then? I'm going to be really biased and go Carter Vickers. <laughs> okay, so so we don't we don't think it's uh, Jordan White at Ross County, no. No, no. no. <laughs> Liam, what do you say? Um, I think on form, uh, since you know, well, since the World Cup, Moy is definitely top top three, top four, uh, in in Scotland on form. Um, certainly, I think it's a, a toss up between him and Maeda as to who has been Celtic's most consistent player since the World Cup. Um, Moy probably edges that out because he has, as well as chipping in with a couple of goals, he has also had a lot of um, set-up play involved in those goals as well. Um, yeah, he is... Uh, yeah, he's um, he's a contender for the best player in Scotland at the moment, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, in terms of pure ability, I would put Kyogo and Jota above him. But on form... Moy is definitely up there. Yeah, it's an interesting one. The, the word form, isn't it? At what, at what point does it stop being form and just become the player's baseline? Like, how long do you have to do it for for that to be the case? 
Uh, yeah. And there's no doubt he's got that class. You know, Man- Manchester City don't sign bad players, really. Uh, so he's just another one in that kind of production line to us uh, from the City group. And, um, yeah, he's definitely, he's what is that, a goal or assist pretty much in every game since the World Cup. Uh, yeah, he's definitely, I agree with you, Liam. He's definitely the most informed player. And if he's establishing that as a baseline, then then if he could, then he's definitely going to then put in a shout for being the best player. Uh, I worry if it's one of those Lubo Moravchik things where we're just getting a kind of last flash out of him before he kind of fades away in the same way that Lubo did. Jared, anything to add about the Aussie? Nah, you guys have covered it all with Moy. The only thing I want to say is you asked who the best player in Scotland was. I just wanted to say it's Tony Watt because now he's played for half the clubs in the Premiership. <laughs> That's right. Now he's signed for St Mirren. That's a bizarre one, especially with Eamon Brophy going up to Ross County as well at the same time. Just and then odd. Ross County also signed the striker from Queen's Park. It's some strange signings. Jack Aitchison, signed for Motherwell, Celtic, ex-Celtic player. Youngest ever goal scorer for us. Yeah, youngest ever. Yeah, or youngest ever goal scorer, isn't it, Motherwell? I'm going to throw this back to Sean, uh, just because he asked me the question. I'm curious for your take. Who do you think is the best player in Scotland? I would actually agree it's Carter Vickers, but it's kind of apples and oranges thing in the sense of an an attacking player versus a a defensive player. Uh, And if you take form out of it, I would actually, and we're talking about an attacking player, I would say Jota. Yep. Nice. Happy days. So we've got a couple of Twitter questions to uh, go through and then we'll uh, start to wrap up the podcast. So Sid, Sid, Sid 64 sent through, uh, do you think we're stronger after the window? I think we all said yes, we are early on in the pod. Yeah. And then Quinty Central, what a name. <laughs> Would you like to have signed Moose Dembele? I yeah, I mean, for reasons yes. for reasons that are not football related, yes. Uh, but does anyone realistically see Dembele closing down defenders? I don't. No, no, exactly. And wages would have thrown out the whole locker room as well. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is a laugh, Mahesh. On <laughs> 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 well, a Celtic podcast too. I hope you have. I hope oh, you have wind yeah. up, mate. Good. <laughs> he could finish as the leading uh, scorer in the league, and that's not not a good thing. <laughs> well, Mahesh uh, does does like to look at his stats, so I'm guessing there's some stats to back that up. Uh, well, if Tavernier like... ends up as top goal scorer, then Willie Collin would get the top for assists, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Walsh. It's a, whole ra- it's a whole range of them. Yes, yeah. uh, unre- unrelated. <laughs> you know, slightly off topic, but that reminds me, right? This was a thing I brought up the other night on Axtom as well. Why is it that we know the names of other referees, and yet if I well, I watch the J League every week and I could not name one Japanese referee? Yeah, same with Australia. I could name Nine. two in Australia, oh. that's it. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you two. Them, and that's only because one of them got... <laughs> Got like belted and stuff during the derby down here. Mm-hmm. Yo, Alex King, and then the other one is was some bloke, and they'd always call him the bricky after because his part time job was he was a bricklayer. Mm-hmm. Well, it's now 379 days since Sevco faced a domestic penalty. We've had th- three British Prime Ministers in that time, <laughs> <laughs> and two monarchs. <laughs> 
Yeah. Thought that was the case, mate. Thought that was the case. Uh, All right. So, um, Celtic could play in Livingston tonight. So, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, our time. Liam, what's your expected lineup? Um, I think pretty much the the same as the weekend. Possibly, possibly Maeda coming in for Jota because I think it might be a a game where Maeda's pace and uh, physicality might get more results in terms of stretching that that low block that that Levy liked to play. But apart from that, no, I think I think that, that the, the team will be pretty much the same. Um, I'm going to predict uh, 3-0 to Celtic and hopefully we are a couple of goals up at half time so that all Iwata and maybe even Kobayashi can get a wee run out in the second half And Sean, what's your take on the lineup and score prediction? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, the champions of Scotland playing the per capita champions of Scotland. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. So, clash, of, clash of two champions. Uh, yeah, so I think David Martindale has been doing the lines recently and came out with comments like that. Apparently, he was also going to go on a Celtic podcast and that got cancelled because of the abuse. He's supposed, I'm not joking. He's supposed to go on a Russell Boyce podcast. Uh, I don't even mention that podcast on this yeah. show. Oh, and uh, yeah, shambles after shambles. Anyway, uh, I think it will be much like the Dundee United game, and we low block him. That will be the game. Will just depend on us taking our chances. And I don't really see Livingston scoring unless they get a dodgy penalty. Uh, you never know. They might get something from a set piece, but or a long throw. Chances are slim. Uh, as Mahesh is mentioning there, uh, XG. I'd say. Livingston will come away with an XG of like 0.1, 0.2, something like that, which means there's a one in five chance that they're going to score a goal. And so then it's just us, up to us to convert our two point whatever XG. We're going to dominate the game. Uh, it's just about taking chances and when when we take those chances, how the game's going to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're laughing at comments for the It was an audio. Yeah. <laughs> not, 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 at me. not laughing at my comment. So, Andrew, Andrew Galea, I won at 60 minutes. That's not the comment we're laughing at. But anyway, um, <laughs> for me, I look at it and go, yeah, I think probably 2 0, 3 3 0 sort of score line. Um, this is the sort of game where. I would normally get, put a Jack and Maccus up front, but because of what's been happening and him apparently looking for his move and all that, it's not going to happen. So you'd want your battering ram up front against them and their low block, but it doesn't matter. We've got more than enough talent there. Yeah, we'll get the job done. I'm saying goal scorers, Cal Mack will score one of the goals and Carter Vickers with a head off a corner. There it is. I hope so, because I bet both of them usually. <laughs> I do wonder if, um, just uh, sort of uh, contrary to what Liam was saying about bringing uh, Maeda on, I do wonder if we're going to maybe bring Haksabanovic on. Um, they obviously mm. set up pretty well, um, uh, that low block. Um, they're probably the best at it. So I do wonder if we're sort of going to go for Tekkers instead of Pace champions, and Shane. That's why they're champions. <laughs> I'm not giving them the due credit they deserve. How how silly of me. Um, so I do I do wonder if if Haksabanovic will come in and actually play opposite Jota, um, and uh, we'll see if we can actually um, break them down that way instead. Sorry, Sean, go on. 
No, no, I was just uh, supporting your point. <laughs> the positive is that it's at our place, so it's a bigger pitch, and not on that little plastic pitch of theirs. So, yeah, it'll should be okay. Two, two nil, two nil to us. Should we do a guard of honor for them? You know, sarcastic one. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> understand what this. Absolute... Guard, guard of honor with five pound notes in her hand. You may see that Martindale just accidentally dropped his head in some of his old gear and it drove him a bit mental. <laughs> How do you do a guard of honor for a low block though? Like, do you all just crouch down <laughs> so instead of standing yeah. up or something? Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Anyway, we'll uh, we'll leave that one there. We also got St. Johnston away on Sunday. Um, yeah, I think there'll be some rotation between the two games, um, especially with Taylor just coming back from injury as well. After a while out, it wouldn't surprise me if he was out for one of the games. Bernabe comes in for the other. Oh, Jared's gone again. Um, I don't know if uh, can you guys hear Jared? Is it just me? I'm back there. Oh, didn't like Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me like he rotates Carter Vickers as well, just because they can't both come back from injury. But anyway, um, Vincent Johnson. Yeah, three nil. Keep our runner clean sheets going. Mm, that'd be good. Shane. Yep, I'm saying probably three or four nil as well, and I can see. Uh, I can definitely see Maeda coming in for this 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 game against St Johnston. Possibly, as you said, if uh, if there's no issue with Bay, him coming in and probably playing against St Johnston as well. Sean, um, yeah, I'll go with. I feel like I'm repeating myself because like all these teams are doing the same tactics against us, and you know it's it, it, the games are playing out in a very similar way at the moment. So I'll go with three 0 as well. Come on, Liam. Make some silly outlandish comment like a 7 0 or something. Oh, no, I mean, 7 0 would just be daft. 6 0. Alright, 6 0. Oh, hat trick. Two for Kyogo and one for Cal Mack because my good lady always bets him to score first goal. So there you go. Happy days then. All right, so what we'll do is before we go to our final thoughts, I'm just going to bring up a couple of comments that we put aside here. Um, when I disappeared before, Angelo's commented, Jared killing spiders. Get them. Nah, browser issues with the um, new software we're using for this. Um, and then there's another comment here from Michael, directed for you, Sean. By the way, my girlfriend gave me a very funny look the other day when I said I was having a quickie with Sean. Best 10 minutes of your week. So anyone who doesn't know, there's a quickie weekend roundup that Sean does, a bit of satire, a bit of uh, taking the piss sort of thing. Every week he does on a Monday or a Tuesday, it comes out on the YouTube channel and as the audio comes out as well. So check out for the, look out for the quickie with Sean. Cheers. All right, final thoughts. So we'll uh, go to... We'll go to Shane first. Uh, everyone knows I'm uh, obviously pretty, uh, I guess, big into Australian football and, and promoting Australian football. And uh, we've got the Women's World Cup coming up in uh, in a few months' time uh, here in Australia. And, um, you know, the news came through this week that uh, Australia, who's playing uh, the Republic of Ireland, or the Matildas, I should say, were playing the Republic of Ireland. Uh, that was initially at the Sydney Football Stadium. 
for those with context, that was at the stadium that Sydney FC and Celtic played at when they were down under a few months ago, uh, which holds about 45,000 or so. Uh, the ticket demand has been so great that they've now had to move that opening fixture to uh, a core stadium or Stadium Australia. And again, just for context for those outside of Australia, that's the game that Celtic and Everton, that's the stadium that that game was played at. And I think it's wonderful for women's football uh, in this country to see that the, um, I guess, the, the want to go and see it and be part of it, um, to see that that uptake in tickets and to have that move to a bigger venue months out from the game actually um, you know, coming around is just great for women's football in Australia. So um, long may that uptake continue and go the Matildas. Sean? Uh, my message, I guess, is uh, look after your radioactive material. Try not to lose it. It's an important lesson for all of us. <laughs> Particularly Rio Tinto. <laughs> my comment is dedicated to you, Angelo Tyro. I've never had a blonde mop in my life. <laughs> and over to you, Liam. Uh, right, um... Oh, God, what, what, what can I say this week? Uh, yeah, I would just like to say a big thank you to the uh, the staff at, um, at the two different hospitals that have looked after my dad for the past two weeks since he broke his hip. Um, he is getting home today, thoroughly on the mend, and, uh, you know, give all those medical staff, give all those public sector workers the pay rise they deserve and get the Tory government to fuck. Thank you very much. Oh, wait, are we explicit now? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I even said cluster and didn't drop the other half. Liam's just gone and done it. Now we've got to hit the explicit button. Explicit content. Oh, okay. damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. The, well, we've been the Tories. I mean, come on. Right, <laughs> you know not to say the T-words, man. That's explicit content. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, hit the like button on um on the YouTube. Let everyone know that you know it's gonna help us in the algorithm. Share the podcast around as well. Tell your friends, you know, try and grow yourself down under along with us. It's a bit of a community we're trying to do here. But yeah, thanks again for tuning in. talk to you next week. Hail hail. Hail hail. Hail hail.